0: Can you use this as an outtake? Hey, everybody. You're listening to In Hindsight. In Hindsight. You're listening to the In Hindsight podcast. Let's go. All right. Do you have anything for breakfast this morning? Nope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just rolled out of bed and uh, grabbed the coffee. Yeah. Are you usually a morning, morning guy? You know, you think that i am because i run a coffee
0: shop but uh no i'm the worst <laughs> at mornings i'm really bad at waking up early to be honest that's what i thought i was like oh if we do nine o'clock like he's probably up at like 7 30 or something like that every morning or... my, my brother's like that but not me yeah yeah so that's why it's like you got early shift i'll be in later yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty <laughs> much but yeah man i do appreciate you coming out over here man and, and uh and taking taking the time so of course I'm excited you know and cheers for the coffee appreciate you cheers Mm. so what blend is this or what is uh
1: you know um we've been working with a roaster in duluth minnesota called underwood Mm -hmm. for our drip coffee but this i think is the blend that i use for espresso just Mm. from tasting it i think that's what it is so that's from austin texas
0: Ooh. now do you get all your coffee from austin
1: uh, I get all of my coffee for espresso from Austin that mm-hmm. I, I've been working with this new roaster in Duluth yeah. as well. So I kind of mix it up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And what, how'd you find the Duluth one? They hit me up. Um, there, we kind of had the same sense of humor, uh, and the same, we're like into country music and that sort yeah. of thing. And they, uh, just kind of sent me some samples which a lot of roasters will send samples to me just because they want me to buy their coffee. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll you know, try all these coffees, and most of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this loyalty to Flat Track because I used to run that shop, the mm-hmm. shop out of Boston. And so it's got to be not just a good coffee for me to want to buy it. They've also just got to, like, check all the boxes for me. And these guys, um, they sent me a couple bags of coffee um and a willie nelson tape a cassette tape uh and i was just like man i that's a cool move um and all of their bags of coffee have like the the bag design is like a family photo like uh like a photo from like a scrapbook or a photo album from their family growing up um which is really cool and a lot of that nostalgia is kind of where I came up with the whole vibe for partner coffee. And so it just fits right in. Yeah. In my last order of coffee from these guys, they uh, they snuck a Ham's beer into uh, one of the coffee bags. My little brother calls me up when he's opening it up. He's like, I don't know what's in here. There's something hard in this one bag of coffee that's not labeled. So I went over there and opened it up, and sure enough, it was a... a Cold ish beer. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> That's rad. Was he just sitting there, be like, "I'm not gonna open this thing because I don't know what it's gonna be." Or? I told him just wait, yeah. just because I wasn't sure what it is. Yeah. Now, before we go too much further, um, please just tell us like who you are and like what you do here, as far as uh, sure, because we're talking about coffee. Might as well probably let everyone know <laughs> who yeah. you are and what we're going on with. Yeah, my name is Taylor
1: Wallace, and I own Partner Coffee in bozeman montana and then i also kind of uh work on the side for a company called dangle supply i don't know if we want to get into that but we can can. get into whatever
0: man yeah (laughs) yeah so partner coffee um you know we're chatting a little bit about you know where you get supply from and stuff like that when um when did this kind of origin happen with the, the whole coffee scene so i've been working in coffee for like 13 years um
1: i started in college like a lot of people do Went to college in central Texas. Do a lot
0: of people start in coffee in college, or I think
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, after I finished college, I went to Austin, which is kind of a big coffee town, and just kind of bopped around from different coffee shops to different coffee shops and spent a lot of time learning about how to make coffee. Um, And the last shop that I worked at in Austin was Flat Track, which is a coffee roaster and kind of a moto cafe. And I, you know, ran kind of all their operations for the front of house there. Um, And that's kind of how I ended up moving here was one of the things that we did was we would run coffee for events. Um, And so we were at Overland Expo West in... Flagstaff, like in 2018. And so I was slinging coffees out of the back of a trailer and met a couple of guys that have a camper company here in, well, in Belgrade, but just close to Bozeman called Go Fast Campers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My friend John introduced us and we just kind of got along uh, and they needed, they were growing, they're always growing and kind of needed to add somebody to their team. And I was like, properly burnt out from running a coffee shop, you know, traveling for these events. And then we were also in the process of opening a second coffee shop in Austin called Palomino. And we kind of bootstrapped that whole build out. And, you know, we're doing kind of a ramshackled together service there that I was running while I was managing the other shop. And like all of these things culminating into like, like massive amounts of stress and like horrible work-life balance and then like, these guys offering me an out where I would get to move to Bozeman, which I've only ever lived in Texas. Um, so it looked pretty good. And then I uh, came up here to visit in, I think it was August. So leaving 115 degrees with like 85% humidity and coming to, you know, 70 degrees where everybody's like, Ooh,
0: boy, it's a hot one today. <laughs> um, and I just kind of couldn't say no. It's a pretty enticing place, especially coming up here in the summertime. You know, yeah. I think it's starkly different when people come up here in the middle of winter and it's this frozen tundra, you know, like people yeah. being like, why would I want ever want to live here? But then you get to those summer times and you're like, whoa, this is... Yeah. This I is, mean, being a Texas boy, my little brother just moved here too. And
1: we'll talk about that a little bit. But like both of us are so excited about winter. This is my third winter here and I, I still get really jazzed about it just because it... Like my wife is from the Midwest and she's from Iowa and they have really hard winters there. She kind of hates winter here um, because she grew up with it. But since I'm not used to it, it's like, you know, every time you look outside and there's snow on the ground, it's like it's a Christmas Disney movie and the world's made out of magic and everything's a playground. (laughs)
0: it's it's cool to have that perspective man i think that a lot of people forget that up here you know or Mm -hmm. just forget that in places that they have lived that are so magical surrounded by this type of climate and someone like myself from the east coast they were biting cold winters you know that humidity just traps that cold and just stings your skin and out here it being drier of course it is one of those things where you go huh it's not just cold and we're not fighting to get through traffic in this miserable kind of climate. It's I'm trying to get to the ski hill so I can go and, you know, ride down this mountain that right. is like such a beautiful thing with this snow that has fallen. And I think, do you take advantage of the winter time with anything like that? Or
1: so I still haven't learned how to ski. I've been oh, um, got to get you out there, man. <laughs> I know I've been meaning to, um, I, I kind of want to get into cross country skiing just cause it's like, and this is, I have, like, a completely ignorant perspective because I've never skied, but it seems a little more, like, low-key and laid-back, like you're just kind of tromping through the woods and exploring a little bit. Um, I'm also uh, frugal by design, and so the idea of buying, like, an expensive lift pass and stuff like that is pretty uh, daunting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the wintertime here, we get into just, like, running running in the snow is really rad this is typically when like my wife and i all start training for like marathons or half marathons just because it's it having you know a training regiment like forces you to get out in the mornings and stuff like that and take advantage of the daylight when we have it and then like i said i just the snow is just fun
0: yeah it's i was talking to my friend the other day and we were talking about this whole thing of like what gets you up in the morning, especially when it's like these very, you know, not long days here in mm-hmm. the middle of winter time. It's like tough to wake up. And I was like, I had to start attaching purpose as to why I would even get up. And so yeah. like what you said with training regiments, it was just like I've joined the gym and I've not just joined the gym to join it. It's like I'm putting myself in ski fit classes and mm-hmm. this training regimen that actually makes me want to go. So that means I have to get up to go do that stuff. And, you know, on top of that, when it comes around wintertime, most people are like, I'm not getting up early. Right. But when you do attach something like skiing or snowboarding to your life, you're like, okay, I want to get up there because it just snowed 12 inches last night. And getting on those early chairs is going to make a world of difference by getting out there and being able to, like, get first tracks to some degree.
1: Yeah, totally. So... Yeah, these days, uh, the coffee shop gets me out of bed pretty early. <laughs> um, earlier than I'd like anyways. But um
0: What time do you start operations?
1: We open at seven thirty, uh, and so if I was um more prepared and kind of uh more responsible I'd probably get there at like six forty five or seven and like get to have like a nice chill open. But instead I usually like wake up at 7 and like i'm like rolling into the coffee shop at like 7 25 just in time to like throw some drip on and uh start dialing in the espresso before people start to show up but yeah. that's just how i am my little brother who just moved here from fort worth texas to help me run the shop um he's the opposite he's like your classic coffee professional like gets up at five o'clock in the morning on his day off just because that's when his brain wakes him up he's that kind of guy and i don't have that in me at all like i get excited to go open the coffee shop and like get to see everybody in the neighborhood and like make everybody coffee and tell everybody good morning like that gets me out of bed but uh on my days off like a
0: day like today i i keep hitting that snooze button as long as i can and and you need that though you need some like to run something with someone else if like you can have that balance of like I'm down to get up early. Cool. I'm not like yeah. I will do my part and I am going to bring the excitement to it. But you're there to like get the operation going. It's like pretty, pretty important. I'd say, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I should probably back up a little bit. Uh, I was talking about moving here. I didn't really talk about starting partner coffee. Yeah. Um, so I moved here with all of this coffee experience under my belt, but kind of at the end of my rope as far as work life balance and just being burnt out. Um, And my, you know, work life changed pretty dramatically when I moved here because I went from running a couple of bootstrapped small businesses to working essentially at a startup uh, in an office um, at a desk every day, like having a commute and like sitting at a desk and being what at first felt like pretty good and mellow and low key like started to feel pretty isolating and I didn't realize that like on top of moving to a new place and then you know shortly after we moved here everybody got locked down because of the pandemic which is pretty interesting Um, I was missing the um, sense of being a part of a community and that sense of belonging that I got from running flat track when I was in Austin So I kind of, as soon as I got up here, was thinking, as soon as I see the opportunity, I'm going to open up my own coffee shop here. Um, And pretty early on, started reaching out to friends of mine who run coffee shops in Austin or in L.A., and just asking them for advice on, like, how... You know you look like you you pulled it off you have one that's successful how did you do it and how how can i learn from you like i already know the mistakes that i made when it came to like um running myself into the ground with a coffee shop and now i'm trying to learn how to like how to do it the right way and one of the biggest pieces of advice that i heard from multiple people was to um get an operations partner so someone that can help you run it with the day-to-day, and it took me a year to, to find the right one, but my little brother has worked at a lot of the same coffee shops as me growing up, and we have so much of the same background and so much of the same values, and like we even kind of talk the same. Um, I really trust him to be there as often or almost as often as me, and I can know that he's doing essentially what i would be doing there
0: now what kind of convincing did it take to get him to come up here because you uh. know i know you texans it's tough to leave <laughs> for you guys I, I, you guys but love yeah. texas you, you you love where you live and you're prideful and so to come up here well we've got eight generations of texan running through us um
1: i think that so we're like um five years apart and younger or older I'm the older one, older, and so like, as soon as I asked him if he wanted to, um, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll move up there right now." And I was like, "Well, you, you gotta, uh, we gotta plan this out. You gotta think about it and really decide if this is something that you want to do." Um, but I mean, as soon as I lobbed the idea out to him, he was so excited. I mean, it's a it's a cool opportunity to get to move to a new place and get to kind of run the show with someone who, like, we're on the same operating, like, wavelength. Like, we, we both understand what we're trying to do. And so that's kind of rare um, to get to work with family. Like, my brother and I were super close growing up, and then, like, we didn't really hang out that much in our 20s. And so um, it's really cool to be getting back to... Spending more time together and getting closer and all of that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's one thing where it's like you have a reason to kind of create this bond again, and or not even create it again, but just to like keep that bond going because there is you, you leaving Texas, right? You leaving your family, your eight generations, you know, and coming mm-hmm. up here to start life, and to have someone come up and follow with you is a really important thing, I'd say. And yeah. Um, you know, to step back just a little bit, like, why coffee? Like, why even when in college or whenever you decided that you were going to like get into this? Like, why was coffee mm-hmm. the thing? Man, <laughs> I don't know. When I, I gotta try and put myself
1: back in that place when I was in college. I mean, when I was in college, all I wanted was a chill job that you know I could afford to, uh, you know, buy a six pack and. And ate the weed on the weekend, and just like, I mean, I, I went to Texas State University, which is kind of a notorious party school in Central Texas. It's like where all the kids that can't get into UT go. Um, and I was studying philosophy, and I was really into what I was studying. Um, but I just needed, you know, kind of a a chill gig, and there was this coffee shop in town called Tantra, that like. A handful of my buddies worked at, and, like, they had, like, a cool music scene, like, a big stage outside and stuff like that. And there was this, this, like, hardcore community of people that would just congregate around this place 24-7. And so um, I tried really hard to get in with them. And, you know, the first coffee shop that I worked at, I didn't make coffee at ever. I was a line cook hmm. um, or A short order cook. There was one of us um, (laughs) cooking food all day long. Yeah. So it was like
0: a coffee, like breakfast kind of place, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: We had, I mean, we had breakfast tacos, which is just kind of a ubiquitous thing down in Texas. And they were all made kind of fresh to order. And I was able to kind of get creative. And I learned a lot about working in a kitchen and what that means. And I just have this thing in me where no matter what I'm doing or who I'm working for, I kind of pour all of myself into it um and so i've done that at every coffee shop that i've worked at whether you know whether i liked the coffee shop or not like whether it you know spoke to my soul as a place or the aesthetic or whatever whether it spoke to me or not i like poured everything i had into it um probably to my detriment at at some level but that's kind of that's how i came to being a, a a small business owner instead of um, just being someone who works for people because it's, I've worked for a lot of cool people and a lot of people that I consider to be friends. Um, But it's just a job. Um, And if you're committing yourself like to your core to a thing that's just a job, eventually you're going to get burnt out or frustrated. A lot of smart people know how to just like turn it off at the end of the day. Um, And I don't have that bone in me for some reason. So I might as well be working for myself because I'm going to dump all of myself into it anyways. Um, And like people say that when you work for yourself or when you do something that you like, that it it doesn't feel like work. Um, And I thought that that was bullshit for a really long time. Uh, and it's not like it it total. i mean if you if you are doing something that you enjoy and like in my in my case like creating a space that i like to be in and spend time in it's really easy to go there and continue to spend time there um even on my off days off day i have one day off <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i'm taking it up with this podcast so awesome <laughs> yeah. happy to be here um no i mean it's a cliche for a reason and right and saying you know cliche for a reason is a cliche in itself but like that sentiment is so true because I've been able to work for myself before and you realize you're like you know you're not bound by the parameters like you can pour your heart and soul into that job that you're doing down there right but eventually at the end of the day you go oh like I think we should do this but that's not your call anymore you know that goes to the person who actually runs it so then you realize that you're stuck within this box yeah and you know to get out of that and to figure that out at the age that you have been is very important you know and to be able to like see that this is a direction i think a lot of people get stuck with doing something for a long time that they like but they're not loving it and they eventually might have resentment towards that particular career or job or whatever it is
1: Yeah, and you know, if I was smarter, I'd probably figure out how to do that. Honestly, like a piece of advice that someone that I look up to growing up gave me was like, figure out what you love to do, figure out what your passion is. We were talking about music at the time. Um, He was like, you know, figure out what kind of music you like to play and write, and then find a, a realistic job that can support that passion. And then just work it nine to five shut it off when you're done and go focus on your passion. Uh, and I did not listen to that advice. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've put myself in this position where when I started the coffee shop, I stopped playing music. I, like, mm. I made a pretty um, intentional decision to stop trying to book shows, um, stop focusing on rehearsing, um, and just focus on one thing at a time yeah what
0: kind of music did you play
1: i play country music yeah yeah seems fitting i was in a in austin i had a band called cryin time i have a tattoo of it right here it's cryin time um c-r-y-n you know in time i didn't realize that it was spelled like that until after i got the tattoo (laughs) a friend of mine drew it it's a long story yeah um but uh We had, you know, a five-piece honky-tonk band with pedal steel and backing vocals and all that stuff. And in Austin, there's tons of places that you can play where people will go and dance all night long. And we don't have that here as much. But when I moved here, one of the things that I wanted to do was, like, figure out how to build that community. Mm. And I think, you know, that'll happen.
0: Mm. But
1: uh, focusing on one thing at a time is pretty important.
0: Yeah. Um, is there any goals to actually maybe put something alongside your coffee shop as well, like in that regard, like having something that you can play at? Or I mean, I've been talking to a handful of friends about
1: putting together some pretty low-key shows. Um, it'd be nice to do kind of a – my coffee shop is small um, for – people listening who have never been there it's uh it started in the back of an 85 ford bronco i would just pop up around town um and i found this old kind of dilapidated garage on an empty lot um in a part of town that's zoned for retail use and i just parked the bronco in there and converted the garage into kind of a a nice homey cozy cafe space Uh, like with a wood fire stove and a bunch of pictures of friends and family on the wall and stuff like that and it fills up really quick and so if we were going to do music there um, there's something exciting about playing at a space that fills up really quick but at the same time uh, I would probably do kind of a closed show invite only or or a limited amount of tickets mm-hmm. and then just maybe film the whole thing or something like that mostly so that whoever is playing there can then use it to you know promote their band or whatever and then it promotes my space at the same time yeah. I, don't, I don't really know there's yeah. a lot of I also kind of want to just get into like generally like putting on shows at other spaces but being a part of the group that plans them and curates them.
0: Yeah. What about music is so
1: important to you? It's like the, for the longest time was like the only way that I knew how to express myself emotionally. Um, and I just grew up really close to music. My dad was a guitar player and, you know, was obsessed with the Beatles and, knew how to play all these super cool songs and so like growing up seeing him play all this stuff like I I picked up the guitar when I was like nine years old and started learning how to play um and that was just kind of what we always did um and so when I was little and I was growing up and people would ask me what you know what do you want to be when you grow up I would always just say like I want to be John Lennon or something like that or you know I never wanted to be like an entrepreneur or an astronaut or a firefighter I wanted to play music um, and cool thing about playing music is you can put it down and pick it up kinda of your whole life I had somebody one time um, he's in this band called Midland his name's Mark and I was asking him just general advice about playing music um, and he was just like look man don't rush it. I'm in my forties and we just got, you know, hit the big time. Like Mm. it'll happen. Just take your time. And, you know, I kind of took that as like letting life ebb and flow and focusing on one thing at a time, uh, trying to have a little bit of balance in my life.
0: That is something that I've recently learned is this, Idea that it's, you know, to hit another cliche, it's not the sprint, it's the marathon and to allow things to come over time. We live in such a society where we want everything real quick. Right? Right, yeah. We want to order this. We want it next day delivered. We want this. We want to download it ASAP. I don't even
1: t- shop online because I need it immediately.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. And that's what it is. And for me, like I bit into this thing where I wanted instant gratification with everything that I did. And so it, it dictated my jobs. It dictated how I kind of wove through life in this way. And then I started to kind of understand that. With things that take time, the reward and the gratification comes even harder, deeper, and richer Mm -hmm. to my soul. And I've started to implement that. And, you know, you'll see that there's a guitar right there that has just been collecting dust for a very long time. And (laughs) it is. I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, it can be one of two things. I can either really want to do that and Mm -hmm. take the time knowing that it's going to take years and years and years. Or... You just know that maybe that's not the thing and you find other things that will, you know, fulfill you in that way. And so I'll hopefully get there one day, you know, you know, it's yeah. one of those things. But to like what I'm what I'm getting at is that like to be able to know that like you found something that took time and that over time, like you said, you can pick it up, put it down and just kind of be able to play is such a reward in its own.
1: Yeah. I mean, music is for me. The music that I play and what I'm doing there, that's for me more than anything. And so I don't need to be, a, you know, on the radio in order to um, enjoy it. So I can just sit at home and play a couple of tunes for myself and feel pretty satisfied. Now, there's a whole different portion of that when it comes to playing live shows with other people. That's like, that's magic on fire. That is the coolest thing in the world. And I know that I'll get back into that. Mm. Um, It's just tough to force that. And so I've got so many other things going on in my life. Like I better just focus on those things so that when I find, you know, a drummer that really that we vibe with or something like that, like at least, you know, I'll know that I focused on the other things in my life.
0: And they're hopefully running pretty steady and I can kind of shift focus a little bit. Now you said that when you were a kid you were saying you wanted to be the John Lennons you wanted to be other people and stuff and yeah. like this idea of becoming a professional musician was probably there for a long time. Yeah. When did that switch? When did you realize that like okay, I always want to have music in my life and be able to do it, but maybe this isn't the actual direction that I I want to go in? Um That's a great
1: question. I don't know. I don't I can't really truly say that I've ever fully committed to being a professional musician. Mm. And I know a lot of people that, that do that, that live that lifestyle, that work crappy jobs and crappy hours uh, and make pennies just so that they can have the time to you know, play four or five shows a week. Um, and that's a really hard life. And there's a lot of, I, I respect the hell out of everybody that does that but like for whatever reason um i maybe i lack that amount of drive when it comes to that particular um thing i don't know uh it all all of this is kind of relatively recent and you know it'd be nice to get myself to a point where i can focus on uh recording some music too um i think that that's kind of the next step for me. I've messed around with a couple of recording techniques over the years and played in a couple of different types of bands and live shows are really fun. and I'd like to put them together, but it'd be nice to put something together on tape mm-hmm. um, and then figure out how to
0: bring that to life in person at some point. So one of the things after you just got done saying that was kind of what this podcast its origins were about was you're hearing someone who is 29 or 30 i'm 29 29 you're hearing someone that's still in their 20s and you're talking about this almost like what sounds like a full life lived <laughs> in this kind of short amount of time to be honest with you right yeah and for someone like me hearing it or people hearing it it can go like it can be pretty overwhelming mm-hmm. to like sit there and be like oh man like this person's done so much and they haven't even hit 30 yet how have you figured out how to manage all of this and and you know maybe to you it's just you've been living your life Mm -hmm. but to other people it's like he's singing he's playing music he's running businesses and coffee shops it's like you know when you unpack all this and you look back and go oh wow i've done a lot yeah what does that like management of time look like for you Um, my time management skills are probably
1: pretty poor. (laughs) Although I guess when you put it, when you put it like that, it gives me a little bit of perspective to show me that I've, you know, um, I feel like I don't have a lot of free time because I'm always doing things. And so maybe my time management skills are pretty okay. Mm. Um, I'd like to be able to figure out how to read a book from cover to cover though. Uh, find the time to do that. Um. I don't know, man, I just, I just am kind of going
0: with the flow, mm. kind of always have been. Mm. It's like not taking life too serious and allowing each day to come with an intention, but yeah. also with, again, paired with that purpose of like waking up and being like, I could just go with the flow and it could be nothing today, that's fine, but then tomorrow, it's going to hit me that I want to keep achieving this. Right. Right. Yeah, I have my my hardest days of
1: my week are typically my days off Mm. because I for the longest time would deal with like anxiety and guilt around not doing, you know, like if I was going to try and sit down and watch a movie in the middle of the day on a Friday or a Saturday, I like I can't figure out how to sit still um and so on days like that i I typically will like make a lot of lists even if one of the things on the list is like watch a movie or like play a little guitar i still put it on the list and for whatever reason tricking my brain into feeling like oh got that thing done even (laughs) though it was just sitting down for an hour yeah um kind of helps me to
0: balance that out a little bit um that's important though. Like creating, like even the making of the list is an important thing that I've had to realize in my life. Because it look, I look at it and I go, "Oh, okay, Matt. It does say take some time to go read a chapter of your book," and because I've like set myself up for it, it's like part of my like active to do. But again, you've tricked yourself into being like, oh, you read yeah. some of your book. there right. I did and something. Sitting, yeah, yeah. I crossed it off the list. That was productive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was like that chill thing that if you just did it naturally, you would have anxiety with. But because you listed it, you're yeah. like, oh yeah, I took care of some stuff. Totally. Right. Yeah. It, it's funny, but that's the type of brains that you know I have, and that's the type of brain that you have, and it's like one of those things that we need to kind of keep that that fire going. And we have to keep adding fuel to it, and mm-hmm. you know, at some point we will slow down i I don't think that that's an issue and i I mean slow down as in like we will be able to appreciate just waking up reading for a while or Mm -hmm. taking that saturday to just be chill but you know for now there's this energy that we want to like kind of unleash and put it into things that we find beneficial both through our souls and to give back too you know what you do is a very giving thing in the world of both music and specifically coffee Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely Yeah, I mean, one
1: of my my main goals with partner coffee is to put something together that is small enough that anybody that walks in the door can feel like uh, they are welcome and they are supposed to be there Um, and small enough so that, you know, it can support my brother and I and we can live in a place like Bozeman, Montana, uh, and we can, you know, have A couple days off a week um but not so big that we're constantly hustling and constantly chasing paper uh and that's a it's a tough balance to strike especially in small business especially in retail especially in food service Mm. um because there's the way that these businesses grow you you get to these plateaus where you have to hire five or six people on your staff or extend your hours or figure out how to add, you know, food to your menu instead of just coffee. If you want to keep getting people in the door and you, you constantly run into this thing where you're like, well, if I want to make a little bit more money, I need to figure out how to hire a couple more people, which means that I need to then make a lot more money to keep paying them. uh, Mm -hmm. Especially if I want to pay them well. Um, And so figuring out how to strike that balance of um, basically, I just want to keep the scope of it as small as possible so that just two people can, two people who enjoy going there every day can go there every day and pay their bills, get to see all the smiling faces that they want to see every day, and then,
0: you know, go home and be kind of fulfilled. Hmm. Do you think that gets lost on a lot of people? I think you're kind of alluding to it a little bit, which is like people start off with your same mentality, right? I mean, I feel myself getting lost in it already. Yeah.
1: yeah. it It's, I've seen it happen and it's when you're on the other side of it, it's really easy to be like, ah, you're doing that thing. Like you need to just focus on one project at a time. Like, what are you doing? You've got a coffee shop that's like running pretty good. Why don't you just focus on that? Why are you trying to open a bar? Like, you know, that sort of thing. But when you're in it, 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 it's like second nature. It feels like you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm constantly trying to remind myself to keep things small. Like for the whole year, I was only open five days a week um, because it was just me running the shop. And I wanted to have uh, a day off to spend with my wife. Um, so I took Sundays and Mondays off. Uh, from the coffee shop, and then I worked at my other job on Monday. And, you know, I probably could have made a lot more money if I was open on Sundays, um, and I didn't really do much on Sundays. Um, Sundays are big coffee shop days, but I needed that day to spend with her, and so I made the decision to, you know, make less money um, in order to have that balance um, uh, I should say that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to start this coffee shop if it weren't for Sarah, because I didn't have a lot of money going into starting the shop. That's why it was, you know, an espresso machine in the back of my Broncos are cool. Um, and I did a lot of work on my Bronco, but it, it's a clapped out old Bronco. <laughs> so I don't have like, uh, you know, a $40,000 Icon Bronco or something like that. This is, uh, this, it was a, the guy that I bought it from, it was his hunting truck and Mm. he just drove it up in the mountains and would clean deer on the tailgate and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, I wanted to ask you what the origin of that whole Bronco situation was and like why even like that was the choice of vehicle to do this or if that was just happenstance. Like, um, I, my daily driver for a long time was
1: an AMC Eagle which is a lifted four by four station wagon. Um, it's like the American predecessor to the Subaru. <laughs> uh, and they were made in the seventies and the eighties by a company called AMC, which is since defunct mm. um, for a long time, they were the manufacturer of Jeeps. Um, and so if you find like a an XJ, a Jeep Cherokee from the late eighties or early nineties, uh, you'll notice all of these nice trim pieces on the inside that, kind of have this like old school timelessness to them and that's because amc was manufacturing them Mm. um amc eagles are super cool uh i loved mine uh and i drove the shit out of it uh and i broke the axle in it and they're rare um and yeah i couldn't just go buy a new axle shaft anywhere um and it was going to cost thousands of dollars to get one made and so i parked it um, and started hunting around for, uh, a new car. And, um, one of the ways that my wife and I get along is that we both like shitty old trucks. Um, and she found this really crusty Ford Bronco in Butte and it had, you know this disgusting like four inch lift on it it was huge these tires that were poking way out on the sides it was like a redneck's dream right and so uh it was like a thousand bucks i think he had it listed for like 1300 but i will never ever pay asking price for anything on craigslist yeah so i went down there to look at it um offered him a thousand bucks for it he said yes And driving that thing home from Butte in the middle of the night in, like, the beginning of winter uh, was really sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, driving a new vehicle uh, or new to you vehicle can, you know, there's all these things you have to learn. And then when it's an older vehicle, there's, like, even more things you have to learn about it. And when it's an old vehicle on a sketchy lift on all of these crazy windy roads in the middle of the night and like there's a short in the lights and so the lights will go out every once in a while um
0: oh my god so
1: i i already had that truck that was my my daily for the whole year before i started the coffee shop um i did a lot of work to it i cleaned it up a whole bunch i put different wheels on it i took the lift off of it i put 35s on it and you know got it running mechanically sound Mm um and when it came time to when i saw my opportunity to start the coffee shop i kind of knew immediately that i was going to do it in the truck um part of that's because of my background so flat track out of austin got started out in a like a 76 chevy sport van um and they would just roll up to, uh, the two founders would roll up to, you know, the skate shop or, you know, to a different party or whatever and just pop up and make coffees for people out of this van. And so I knew that that model worked and I knew that doing it out of a, a cool vehicle um, worked because it, it gave you almost immediately like a, um, a something that people can identify your brand with. And, like, the, the flat track van kind of became, like, iconic in mm. Austin. Um, and so I had this great car that I loved a lot that I was already driving every day. And, it, like, it all just kind of clicked into place, figuring out how to build a box in the back that could just pull out over the tailgate and hold the espresso machine and everything. Um, and, it like, I, I haven't had to do much else with it since we built that whole thing out yeah
0: the brand is the brand's extension of you too which is right you know yeah important right it's it's like you were already driving that for a year and to just put it in there one you said it was something cool and, and like it's eye-catching it's what caught me when i was actually on that road and i saw you and i pulled over and i was like i'm gonna get some coffee from this guy yeah and you know talking to you instantly there was like this warmth involved and i was like huh here's this really cool vehicle that is aesthetically pleasing. It's got this great, you know, history behind it. Right. And then here's this guy who just, you know, sort yeah. of fits the part with it. So I guess much. I take,
1: I take a lot of that for granted a little bit that like, that's me. Um, like, I don't think about that. I'm just like, Oh, it's a cool car. I like it. Well, it. I think it's cool. It's part of who I am. It's not like I, you know, had a bunch of money from the stock market and was like, you know what? I'm going to go start a coffee shop and buy, you know what? I'm going to buy the coolest car that I can find to start that coffee shop out of. Like, I feel like a lot of people can
0: tell when you do something like that. Oh yeah.
1: Um, And that is
0: not what happened here. Well, it's kind of like the people with like the Sprinter vans, you know how there's like this big, like, uh, what's the term for it? There's like this kind of pushback against people who own Sprinter vans because Mm -hmm. although you can't take away the fact that they're traveling and doing stuff, they're also someone who is able to pay a hundred thousand dollars for some (laughs) pimped out van that has all the bells and whistles compared to the actual dirt bags that are doing this in you know a gmc van or whatever it is that they have and it's interesting that you see to your point that like someone can buy something vintage and be very wealthy and be able to do it and there's the other person that is this is an extension of me because i've really like this yeah and i'm going to utilize it also in line with what i do for a living or what i love to do which is coffee yeah for sure i i yeah i I have a lot of respect for people that
1: get into sprinter vans and things like that too and i yeah this isn't this this
0: isn't a shit on the sprinter van yeah make that known well
1: there's like there's a lot of levels there right you Mm -hmm. do have a lot of people that go buy these things because they feel like they're supposed to Mm. um or they feel like you know that's when you have this level of money and you can go fuck off for weeks at a time, like that's what you should do. Um, and then you do have a lot of folks that, you know, get into sprinter vans that, um, they can afford them because
0: they have made all these other sacrifices in their Mm -hmm. lives and things like that. Yeah. I think that that's, I have plenty of friends who've done that too, you know, who have gotten it as a shell and have done so much beautiful work inside. And it's like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's a, like kind of a crazy nuanced thing yeah, that happens, especially in
1: Bozeman. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: And these mountain towns alike, you know, yeah. I go back to Breckenridge, you see them, I go back to Jackson, you see it. It's just like, huh, okay, it's a pretty nice vehicle.
1: Yeah. Coming from someone who has broken down on cross-country trips, like, more times than I'd care to count. Um, if I had the cash for a Sprinter van, I would absolutely throw down on it without even thinking. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, people that talk shit on them just want one as well, too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I look at them, too, and I'll see the insides, and I'm like, could really get used to this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're wonderful. They're wonderful, man. Um, Have you always been handy with being able to fix things and, and do that kind of stuff? No, and I don't even consider myself very handy.
1: Yeah. Um, a lot of people, I mean, I, I am um, by design and out of necessity, um, but... When I was younger and living in Austin, I decided one day that I wanted to know how to work on cars. And so I went and traded in a pretty reasonable daily driver um, for a total piece of shit, gross Dodge van from the 80s. Not not a cool van. (laughs) A very lame gross looking van that someone had been using to like haul lawn equipment (laughs) um and the girl that i was dating at the time i swear to god almost kicked me out on my ass just for doing that because i didn't talk to her about it i just went and did it she was like you're an idiot this thing's gonna break down and i'm gonna have to drive you around yeah
0: um she's looking almost at the irresponsibility of your actions versus it was totally irresponsible
1: and now when i have friends that are like i want to get into like classic cars and stuff like that i'm like cool, make sure you have a car that works before you buy a classic car. (laughs) Um, Because you end up riding your bike a lot of places. Yeah, (laughs) But I just, I got that van, started fixing small things on it, um, got the Eagle. And with with all of these older vehicles, I just, um, I try to figure out how to work on them myself rather than take them to a shop. Um, mostly because uh, mechanics are expensive. Uh, they should be. They're they're working really, really hard. Uh, and you can save yourself a lot of time and money by going to a professional because they can get something done in an hour that will take me eight. But once I do it once, the next time I do it, maybe it will take me four hours mm. instead of eight. I don't know. they working on cars is so frustrating and it's like i always have these jokes with some friends of mine that are also into classic cars where it's like ah nothing like a relaxing afternoon in the garage working on some piece of shit and just getting really frustrated about it like "Mm,
0: yes it's so zen Mm -hmm. um that would be that's what your ideal day off is right is being able to do that versus sit on a couch. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Even though it's like, I will get so mad mm-hmm. at what I'm working on yeah. and it will be so frustrating. There's just, you know, there's nothing like getting it right yeah. taking it for that test drive. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. And it goes back to what you're saying, that thing over time, right? You're not going to get that done in one day, two days, three days. Maybe yeah. it's going to be a little bit of time. It's like, you know, I, when I have friends who have worked been working on a car, I go to my buddy's house in belgrade and i'll sit there and be like oh it's still in the garage he's like yeah i got a couple more things and it's like three months <laughs> in and stuff oh yeah but he's got another car to your point right you go oh it's this time process that when he does fire that thing up that everything he did was like delicately done enough yeah even with all the frustrating times that now he can roll it off the wheels or roll it off the uh, you know supports and yep. go and take it into town yeah exactly and he loves it yeah he loves it then, yeah good
1: yeah. i was just gonna say Talking about cars and stuff like that makes me miss driving the Bronco every day because mm. now it parks itself in the garage mm. and I I take it out for the occasional event and things like that. But one of my goals for the next year is to figure out um, I I need to get some more coffee equipment so that I can accommodate events and stay open at our brick and mortar and I'd like to figure out how to. Uh, Free the Bronco
0: (laughs) so that I can drive it more often. Hashtag free the Bronco. (laughs) (laughs) It's the evolution of growth in in some regards, too. Like you said, you always want to keep it in this small scope of Mm -hmm. things, and that garage almost fits that to that degree. Right. But like you said, you realize that there's going to have to be some changes made that. Yeah,
1: there's just a couple boxes unchecked. But at mm -hmm. the same time, like I'm trying to just let that stuff come to me as it comes to me. And Mm. um, when I see. Opportunity, I grab
0: it, but I don't want to force anything. Hmm. What does opportunity look like when it comes through your scope?
1: Well, if you're delusional like me, you can rationalize anything into being opportunity. <laughs> so I guess what I mean when I say that is that like I just follow my gut, and when I see you know a space that is available and is in the right place and checks these boxes and then my gut is like go for it dude Mm -hmm. that's when I do it and then of course I'll talk to the people in my life I'll talk to my wife who she's a partner in this business um, and gives me tons of good advice and helps me balance things out and supports me and makes kolaches for me on Friday nights when I'm too tired to make them Uh, and then now we've got my brother added into this and so talking to him about you know, what he values in a space and that sort of thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've noticed that, like, and, and, like, it goes back to, like, what you were talking about with your brother being, like, I'm in. Like, wait, you didn't hear the whole pitch yet. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've been living that mentality. I've lived that mentality so much of just, like, I'm going to do it. Like, I picked up and moved to Jackson Hole knowing nobody. You know, I had to buy an RV. I -hmm. slept out of it, no running anything, just, like, needed a place to live and i couldn't find a place to live so i parked it in some you know landscape person's you know yard basically and just lived out of it and as i've gotten older we've tried to refine how we've gone through it just like you buying that van that was less than desirable where you almost (laughs) got kicked out we become more conservative a little bit as we get older because you want to make sure that you're not just like you know on a whim, just doing something without actually thinking about it or having that gut instinct. And, you know, the evolution of it is really kind of a beautiful thing. And so for you, looking back at that, you know, younger self and that younger Taylor, what have you seen, like, as far as your approach to how you now go about the the process of of taking these leaps? Because they're important, but it's not like you're just going to do something because you're 22 again. Right. You now have to think about it a little bit more.
1: Well, I like to think that I'm a little less impulsive, but I don't know that the people in my life would agree with me.
0: <laughs> Outside perspective would have another opinion.
1: <laughs> um, I think that I'm less impulsive than I was, uh, but I'm still pretty impulsive. Mm. But it's paid off for me. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to be patient in other places. Um, so I think that. Patience to some level is uh, a big thing that I've learned, but also listening to my gut and, you know, it's, it's paid off. And so I trust it. And so there's, there's some, there's something inside of me that is guiding, you know, what decisions I need to be making. And it's not like a conscious voice. It's just a feeling. Mm. Um, And so Sometimes when I feel that and it feels like a crazy, impulsive decision, I'll take a minute and talk to I'll talk it through with somebody, um, usually my wife or a friend of mine or both. Um, and then I'll,
0: you know, once we've talked it through, if it makes sense, I'll just I'll go for it. Hmm. Now, I could I could probably say that you always didn't have someone. I, I shouldn't say you didn't have someone to talk to, but sometimes in the younger self this decision would come up in your gut and I would just do it and you would just do it yeah and I'm sure you've gone down the misdirected path no I've only always made good decisions (laughs) always my whole life never have made one wrong decision (laughs) that's right listen out no regrets yeah but when you were going down those paths that you're like ah this isn't it like how did you how did you figure out not sure how did you figure out but like what what allowed you to turn and go this isn't it and like and and redirect that ship a little bit, you know, because hmm. that's something I think a lot of people. And again, another reason for this podcast, and because this is an early episode, I just want to kind of get these out there. Is that like so many people find themselves going down that misdirected path for sure. themselves and choose not to get out or can't figure out how to get out of it because they feel like oh, I'm making the paycheck, you know, it's providing this for me, and like you know, they feel in these, they feel bounded by this thing. Right. Instead of breaking away from that, knowing that it's going to kind of lead to a better result in their own life. Sure.
1: Um, I mean, I can, I feel like I'm the last person to be giving anybody advice on anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, listener be warned. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, when I get have gotten onto an undesirable path, Um, paying attention to opportunity and to my gut for a way out uh, and then listening to that um, has typically worked out. That's how I ended up here. That's how I ended up in Bozeman. That's how I ended up with the coffee shop that I have, which is kind of this crazy thing that um, my wife and I both kind of took a gamble on um but i was going down a path that i didn't like where i was angry all the time and not eating enough not getting to ride my bicycle when i'd like to or you know really have much enjoyment um because i was working too much i was just pouring myself into work and being able to recognize an opportunity or a way out or a way to not a way out, but a way down a different path Um, and not ignoring it and paying attention to it,
0: I think was um, what got me out of there. Yeah. and, And I don't think anyone who hasn't had to go through that, you know, anyone who's had to go through that would also say like, it's a scary feeling. Yeah. Oh, for sure.
1: You know, I mean, It's hard, too, because sometimes when you're so far in it, you you can't recognize opportunity when it's around you. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I don't know, trying to be present in your your life and your interactions with other people, um, you'll notice things. And if you pay attention to them and think about them or talk them through with other people you can um sometimes recognize when something might benefit you benefit your life and the people
0: around you Mm. and i and i also think adding the things around you that you know alleviate the pressure of the everyday you know like you can be in this trajectory that you may not necessarily be stoked on with like say career but you've also surrounded yourself with other things that you like to do and Mm -hmm. i think that like balance ultimately can shift that mindset of like i like all these things i'm doing around it but i don't like this thing that i'm in and that can almost steer you back into something so you you create that well-rounded desire you know and for you it was all these things of classic cars music coffee Mm -hmm. you know um you said that you like to bicycle Mm -hmm. and that's something that's been a part of your life for a little bit right yeah totally What, what what about bicycling or anything like that was... When I was in college, I raced
1: bikes with the the team at my college. Mountain bikes and road bikes and oh, all that geez, stuff.
0: Just add it to the list of things. I man. know. Hey.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I'm always picking up and putting down other new hobbies and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Film photography was a big part of my life for a long time, too. Mm-hmm. and Got
0: my camera right there. I the see Nolta. it.
1: Yeah. And so... I you know for the longest time I felt like I was struggling with focus and I felt like I was like not a jack of all trades not a renaissance renaissance man but just somebody who's like medium okay at a lot of things um and so in the past couple of years I've been trying to focus on one of them at a time mm. to get you know better at them so that
0: I can then, you know, turn to the next thing and focus on it. Mm. Yeah, I've had that exact same thing. You know, I've always described myself as a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And, you know, when you say it enough, it kind of kind of beats you down a little bit. It beat me down a sure. little bit. And you're just like, wow, I'm looking at this person who specializes in this thing in the filmmaking world, and they're so good at it. Yeah. And they've getting, they're getting all this work from it, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of just know how to do it. And I'm not going to get the level of work. And so you start comparing yourself to the people who've really mastered something. Right. And I, I've had to take it two ways. I could sit there and be really demoralized by it, or I could realize that my brain and who I am as a person likes all facets of life. And I want to touch on all of them. Like you said, picking yeah. up a hobby, putting it down. Like I've got every sport in the garage known to man, <laughs> you know, like you saw my gear rack out yeah. there yeah. and now I'm doing a damn podcast. You know right. Right? And I'm a filmmaker, all these things. And it's because I believe in this life that we're in right now, this conscious life that I'm in as Matt Hines, and I'm looking at it as my one life as Matt Hines. And so I go, how can I saturate as much of it as possible? And I'm just gonna touch on all the things I like to do because I might not be the best podcaster, filmmaker, photographer, et cetera, but if I'm able to dip my toes into these things and Mm -hmm. allow myself to enjoy it, or figure out if I don't enjoy it, move on from it, well, that's just how I am, and that's how I figured out how to live my life in a lot of ways. Totally. Yeah, nobody says you have to be good at things. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point, yeah. <laughs> you know, people usually say just try it, you know, just go for it and yeah. see what happens. Um, you know, and on that note, like, what what's next for the evolution of, uh, you know, the coffee shop and, and, mm. and Taylor? Um, just
1: trying to focus and keep this dialed um dialing in a little bit more every day uh we just got my brother up here he's been here for i think two weeks so it's still pretty fresh but now we're open seven days a week and so we're kind of getting into what that feels like Mm -hmm. um and like i said just trying to focus on keeping that small. I have, you know, I have all these ideas for things that I want to do. I really want to start a Jewish deli over the hill in Livingston. A I think Jewish that that, deli? Uh-huh, yeah. Are you Jewish? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that that would be um, a hit over there. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be an yeah. interesting challenge and an opportunity to collaborate with some people, um, but I don't want to rush that either. Hmm. So that'll happen probably because once I decide I want to do something i typically just end up doing it but focusing on what I'm working on right
0: now is kind of my main project Mm. yeah and you know with what you do I've looked at your social media and you definitely like to have fun with it which is important (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah and you know you put out funny videos and and things like that I think that that's important right because that helps kind of ease the tension of that you're you're slinging coffee you know not to demean what you do obviously but you're like no it shouldn't be something that's like you know the most epic photos and seriousness like you know you put your dog in there you have these fun videos yeah
1: no i mean we i think that the things that we take seriously are the the quality of the product and the kindness that we treat people with and then everything else like have fun. Like, who mm. gives a shit? Like, it ought to be a good time and a relaxed experience. Um, yeah, and so funny videos and just general goofiness. Yeah. I On the side, I, I don't know on which side. There's a million sides. But on, on one side, I work for a company here in town called Dangle Supply that makes titanium cannabis-adjacent goods, so bongs, mm. pipes, things like that. Uh, and one of the many, many things that I do for them is I play this character online that makes all of these funny stoner humor videos. Uh, his name is Tyler Bongs, B-A-U-N-G-H-S. Uh, he goes by Ty. <laughs> uh, and it's just like this, this caricature of myself sort of, um, this like happy go lucky stoner dude um and i have a ton of fun with that uh and i have all of these you know funny nicknames that uh there's a lot of people that um they you know they call me ty mm. which is fine and you know it's also confusing because we picked a an alter egos name that is pretty close to my my own name yeah um but it, it it's always fun to you know meet someone that only knows that side of me and doesn't know you know the coffee side of me or the music side of me um i feel like there's like three sides of a coin or something like that
0: <laughs> which i mean you can see that there's the head the tails and then the sides of it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally no it's awesome man and that's cool and and you know to keep doing those things is it, it's it's always one more thing added onto your plate, but it's a voluntary thing that you get to enjoy doing and those things that are added onto the plate are the ones that like you look forward to like, you know, eating per se. It's just like mm-hmm. you get to create this character, then put that out there and yeah, you know. Um you know, will you continue to keep doing that with this character and, and, and do that with this company and totally that's yeah. awesome.
1: Uh I've kind of built my schedule with the coffee shop around being able to continue to do work for Dangle Supply. they mm-hmm. You know, there it, it's a really small company. There's four of us. Mm. Um, there was two of them when I got hired on, and they kind of helped me bridge quitting my old job and starting a business, mm. and you know, keeping some some cash flowing into the bank account. Um, and so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have been able to start the coffee shop if it weren't for those guys and we have a lot of fun together we work really well together we've grown their company a lot together and so it's uh it's cool that you know I work two days a week for them um and we get a lot done um and so I'm excited to see where that goes in the next year too yeah but you know
0: I get one day off a week (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know good timing for the evolution of Montana with its uh you know passing of marijuana and oh, yeah. recreational side, huh? Yeah, no, it's really it's an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, buddy. Um so yeah, where where can people find find you beyond the, the physical space, you know social media Sure, sure. So the coffee shop is
1: Howdy Partner Coffee on Instagram, probably on Facebook too. Our website is howdypartner coffee. Um you can find my personal Instagram. That's going to be Whaler Tallis, which is just like my name, Taylor Wallace, but you just switch the f- the two letters. Whalers, another one what of my you did nicknames. There. <laughs> but, um, and then dangle supply, if you want to see my
0: funny videos, just at dangle underscore supply. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, one more thing before we jet out of here is um, what's the evolution of uh, Willie Nelson on all this stuff? <laughs> um yeah we put willie nelson on uh
1: a partner coffee t-shirt um it was just a picture of willie sitting in his tour bus with a coffee mug that i i put our logo on too. yeah um i just thought it was a funny way to kick off the the merch side of things mm-hmm. um i guess i'm wearing that shirt right now yeah, yeah. um it you know i love willie nelson country music mm-hmm. willie's kind of the perfect example of like a laid back texas guy yeah. um and i love his music and so it just it was just kind of a funny thing to do it's funny cuz the i'll turn around so you can see the picture
0: put some giddy up in your cup
1: um it's not a you know willie's got kind of short hair and uh he doesn't have his braids in this picture. And so a lot of people will see the shirt and ask me like, Oh, is that your grandpa or your dad? And I'm like, I'm not in Texas anymore.
0: (laughs) It's so true, man. You told me that before. And I was like, man, people just don't know. And there's going to be a, there's going to be a, there's going to be a certain amount of people, a majority of people, I think in the future that don't know who the Beatles are and don't know who Willie Nelson and all these people are. Sadly, I I don't, I disagree with you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Mm. I mean, I just think that there's young people coming up, and like, uh, there's, I can't even get in the story because I forget who the artist <laughs> is, but he had Ozzy Osbourne on, in his track. Uh huh. And there was a thread of people when his album came out. That were like, oh my gosh, this Aussie guy is awesome, like you know. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, what do you mean, like awesome? Like, who, you don't know who? Like, people didn't know who he was. Sure. And I just thought that was really surprising. And I'm like, will that eventually go down the line with people just not remembering some of these greats? Probably for some of them.
1: Yeah. I think
0: that the Beatles
1: and Willie Nelson will exist through
0: time forever. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. They're they're too iconic and too attached to too many things beyond just their music. You know, the Beatles yep. are an iconic band for many reasons and willie nelson will be associated with a lot of other things beyond (laughs) just the music industry right yeah and 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 stuff like that and has crossover so yeah you're right good way to end the podcast with me being (laughs) wrong here (laughs) well dude i really appreciate you coming on man and uh you know i know there's so many things else that we could have touched on but you know means more the more to come if we can get you back on again sometime man anytime yeah and, thanks uh, for having me yeah and appreciate the coffee this was wonderful of course right on cool thank, thank you brother yeah man this was uh this was awesome so i've been holding in this pee for so long too. <laughs> all right i'd like to thank my guests today for being on the show i'd also like to thank all of you for your continued support as we move forward into this journey and to remind everyone, including myself, that doing anything for the love of it will ultimately bring more worth than if otherwise. I'm thankful for these moments spent, and I hope you can find a moment to be thankful for the things you value in your life and pass that on. I'll see you on the other side.